You know, there's some things as a preacher you don't ever do. And at least I've been told. But I may do something tonight I have never done before. And I hope it's not suicide. But I want you to help me preach. And I don't mean by saying amen. But by contributing. I'll explain a little bit further, but for just a few moments, turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter 5. We have been in that chapter last Sunday. We're going to try to pick up this Sunday and finish what we started last Sunday morning. But I was back there reading again, and I read on through to the conclusion, and something... Uh, just came off the pages and grabbed me and uh, I hope that I can make it come alive in your mind tonight. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 13. First Peter chapter 5 and verse number 13. And the scripture says, the church that is at Babylon, elected together with you, saluteth you, and so doth Marcus, my son. When I read the first part of that, I've read these books many, many, many times, but I don't know that I, it ever registered where this church was. But it was in Babylon. Now, depending on which scholar you read, some feel like Peter was using that as a typology of, of Rome. But most believe that he was actually referring to the Babylon that comes to mind when we think of Babylon. Whatever the case, I want to use that for a few moments. And I'm going to pose this question. How do you thrive? In Babylon. How do you not just survive, but thrive? The reason I pose that question is because when you look at what Peter said, he talked about this church and the people in it as being elected, chosen. So that indicates to me that They were not just barely getting by. They were not just scraping the bottom of the barrel and, 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 and a ragtag, beat up, worn out, impotent, powerless group of people that were just holding on to a name, but they were elect. They were the choice. This was a choice 
group of people. What made them that way? And especially in the environment that they were in, in Babylon. So let's talk about that for a little while tonight. If you'll help me, I'm going to get your input, believe it or not. You've been waiting for a chance to speak up. You may get the chance tonight. Everybody said in Jesus' name. You may be seated. Young people are staying here with us tonight, too. You need to hear what I'm going to try to say. There was a guy one time who was very unhappy in his work, and he was very unhappy with his family situation. And really, just in general, he was unhappy with life. And so he was so submerged by his surroundings and so overwhelmed by them that he decided that he was going to escape and get away from it all. And he decided he was going to join a mute monastery. There he would take a vow of silence. Then he could only say two words every five years. He thought, man, that sounds perfect. I won't have to deal with people. I won't have to deal with issues, stress. That's gone. No one to bug me. No one to harass me. Nothing but silence. And so he went away and for five long years he never said a word. Finally, after the end of the fifth year, his superior called him into the office and said, All right, you have eclipsed your five years. Do you have anything to say? And he nodded his head and he said, Bad food. He went back away in silence, and another five years lapsed. And those five years came and gone, came and went in total silence until it was his time to come back to the superior again, and he stood in his office, and just like the time before, he said, Do you have anything you want to say? And he nodded his head, and he said, hard bed. And so back to his isolation and silence, he went. Another five years passed, came back to his superior one more time, and he asked him what he had asked the other two times. Do you have anything to say? And he said, I quit. And his superior responded and said, well, I'm not surprised. All you've done since you've been here is complain. (laughs) Even when we get what we want, we think of a perfect environment. We still have a tendency to complain. And if we're not careful, it doesn't matter what kind of environment we have to live in, if we're not careful, we can find something to complain about in that environment. Even the best 
in the point, the places we choose to live. There's no perfect setting in life. And there's no perfect anything about life. Everything in life is filled with challenges by things that threaten our peace and threaten more than our peace, our purpose, our identity, who we are. When reading this portion of Scripture again this past week, the statement that I'm, I brought to your attention just uh, reached out and grabbed me and stopped me, and that was the church that is at Babylon. Now, when, when I use that word, what comes to mind when you hear Babylon? What, 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 what are the thoughts? What are the things that start flowing through your, your mind? Babylon. Babylon. Whether it was Rome or whether it was the actual city. It doesn't matter. What I think we could all agree on is that Babylon, whatever it is, wherever it is, epitomizes everything that is opposite of the church. Everything that is totally opposite of what you and I as children of God represent. Literally, the name means confusion. And I think perhaps one reason that it was a place of confusion is because there was no singular defining purpose. It was filled with pride. It was filled with idolatry. They worshipped many gods. There were no restraints. It was an extremely immoral place. All kinds of shameful practices and vices were carried on inside Babylon. We would call it a wicked city. We would call it an exceedingly wicked city. And those are just a few of the descriptive terms that we could Think of, and you probably have thought of others that would describe the character of Babylon. That would define the atmosphere that Babylon consisted of. And its personality. You know, it's like uh, Las Vegas in America has got this image And one of the sayings is that what goes on in Vegas stays in Vegas. Because there are things that people go there to participate in that are illegal in every other state in the country. And so people go there to be able to, in some sense, push the borders of of life and morality and legality and do it under the auspice of a city that approves of that. And uh, New Orleans has quite a reputation, and 
even New York City. I remember the first time that I ever went into New York City years ago back in the mid-70s. I remember when we were drawing close to the the outside, the outskirts of town, you could almost feel the wickedness of that city as it came out to meet you. I remember us walking the streets at night after service, just looking at the sights and seeing all of the things that went on in broad daylight. I mean, in plain view of everybody. There was no shame. There were no restraints. And I've heard other stories of things that people had experienced in atmospheres like that because it has a tendency to be known as that kind of a city and and environment. And Babylon was that on steroids. Babylon, according to Revelations, the word that is associated with Babylon is the word whore. Now, I know that's pretty crude, but that is the... That, that that's an understanding if if you can uh, re, if you can understand what i'm saying that that's the environment that was there it was wicked it was immoral and they served a multiplicity of gods baal being at the center of those uh deities that they served and there were no holes barred. There was nothing that was, that I can remember reading that was prohibited there. If it felt good, you'd do it. That's Babylon. And the, the amazing thing, I've read about saints in Caesar's household and that was pretty amazing, but what about a church in Babylon? And not just a church that sits on the backside of the tracks that nobody knows about, that doesn't have any influence in the community, but an elect group. A people that when Peter considered what they were up against and what they faced on a daily basis and how they maintained their identity and they remained true to who they were. He could only talk to, talk about them in terms of being elect. They're chosen. They're, 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 they're it's a church to be, uh, uh, used as an example. And it all happened in an environment that was hostile to everything that Christianity believes and embraces and lives. How did that happen? How did they in that culture not succumb to their culture? How did they in that kind of wickedness not allow that wickedness to creep into their lives and mar their walk and relationship with God? Surrounded by an environment and a culture and a system of life that every day wanted to silence their witness and their testimony. And yet they stood resilient. They stood 
uh, as overcomers. They, they stood and they stand as examples to you and I that may feel like we're in a bad environment or we're having to live under difficult circumstances. And yet they maintained their identity and they maintained their, their connection to the Almighty. They never allowed the culture to become a part of their, their belief system. And they were called the elect. I like that. Amen. Chosen, special. Uh, everything that they represented was mocked on a daily basis. Everything they stood for was ridiculed every day in all the other activities and all the other environments. Everything that they represented was vilified in that culture. They tried to suffocate their faith, but they couldn't put it out. They, they couldn't silence who they were. They kept influencing. They kept reaching. I don't know how large the church was, but that doesn't matter. The fact is, it was an elect group of people. So evidently, that tells me that they were not some watered-down, has-been, wanna-be, Try to be church, but they were a Holy Ghost filled, water baptized in Jesus name group of people. And they were not ashamed of that. And they did not let the culture and the surroundings they were living in alter what they believed and what they taught. So how do you do that? How do you survive? How, how do you Live in an environment that every day you live tries to unravel what you are. How do you live in a culture? And your Babylon may not be a city. It may be your school or it may be your job or it could be something else that you have to deal with on a daily basis that attacks who you are and it attacks what you represent. And what you say you believe, it is constantly bombarding you with things that contradict that and try to undermine that so that when you step back at the end of the day, you're wondering, well, is this really true? Do I really hold on to this? Do I really keep this? And yet they were able to hold on and more than hold on, they were able to thrive. Amen. And Peter addressed them as an elect body, an elect group of people. To me, that says volumes about them and their character, that in spite of everything that they had faced, nothing had been able to silence their testimony or keep them from doing what God had called them to do. Now, I think the age-old struggle for all of us is letting... Our surroundings swallow us up and nullify who we are and void what we say we represent. Every day you think about it in the surroundings that you live in, 
There's nothing on your job unless you own your own business that is conducive to Christianity. There's nothing in the schools that encourages our children to pray or to read their Bible or seek God. There's nothing in our universities that encourage you unless you're going to a religious university. And even some of those so-called religious universities have atheists for the professors that are over their major courses in and I could name a few of them that have been, that have roots in Christianity, but somehow through the years they've let culture invade their, their beliefs and culture invade what they represented and stood for. Now they're not any different than any other entity or any other higher education place. Now how do you keep that from happening? How do you keep on going to school or living in an environment or working in a culture like that, and yet it never is able to tear you down. It never is able to undermine you. You remain faithful. You remain true. You remain godly. You remain separated. How does that happen? How does that, how, how do we do that? How do you prosper in a setting that is doing everything it can to undermine everything you represent? How do you flourish in a difficult environment? That's, that's the question that, that I've been gnawing on the last couple of days. How do you grow in a difficult environment? How do you prosper when everything around you is doing everything it can to undermine you and pull the props out from under you? How do you keep that from happening? That's, that's a great question I think we all need to think about. Maybe, maybe I'm just going to seed on something, but I think we live in Babylon right now. A type of Babylon. I think everything that Babylon represented of old is represented in the culture in which we are now living. And I don't believe that we have to be a church that becomes a part of the culture. I don't believe that it is my job to be relevant to my culture. I believe it's my job to be a Christian. To be a blood-bought, called-out child of God. And if that's counter to my culture, then counter to my culture is how I'm going to live. But I'm not going to try to adopt my Christian lifestyle or my beliefs to fit the culture that I am living in. Young people, you better listen to me tonight and hear what your pastor is trying to say. You have the opportunity to prove to a ungodly, unbelieving world that it's possible to live a godly life, an overcoming life, that it's possible to be a believer in more ways than just a formal mean, but the everything that that biblically connotates, that you can be a called out, separated child of God and live in that environment, but not be of that environment. 
Now, I think that Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, as they were renamed, their their biblical names, their given names were not those. Daniel was his given name. Hananiah was the other one. That was the one they renamed Shadrach. And Mishael was the one they renamed Meshach. And Azariah was the one they renamed Abednego. And every one of those names that Babylon gave those young men had the connotation of Baal connected to it. That in some way they were worshiping or showing obedience to the, the, the God Baal. But they even, even though the, the culture that they lived in had renamed them, they never allowed it to change who they really were. They knew who they were and they refused to live and in, in an environment and let that environment define who they were. They were God's chosen. Daniel means God is my refuge or God is my judge. Hananiah means God has favored. Mishael means who is what God is. Azariah means Jehovah has helped me. And in spite of Babylon's attempt to try to influence them and change their identity, they remained true to who they were and what they had been called from the beginning. That's why they had the courage to go into the fire and into the, 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 the lion's den because they were not allowing the culture to cause them to lose their identity. They knew who they were. That's why Daniel would go back to the prayer room, even though it had been prohibited, and open his window eastward and pray in spite of the orders of of the king, in spite of the things that had been put in place to stop that. He was not letting that identify who he is. Listen to me, church. Listen, young people. You need to be careful that you don't lose your identity in the culture in which you're living and try to fit in and find a way to become like everybody else. I don't need to be like everybody else. I need to remain true to who God called me to be, and that's his chosen. And if I stand out, then I stand out, but I am going to Stay true to who God says I am. Amen. Praise God. They were devoted. That's what in in Peter's words that he used here, he said the church that is at. In the Greek, that means devoted or fixed position. So these were not vacillating Hot one weekend, cold the next weekend. On fire one month and and can't even be found the next month. These were people who had fixed their mooring. They had fixed their eyes on something beyond the environment that they were living in. And because they fixed their eyes on something beyond... That environment, that environment 
could not affect them. I think that's one of the big problems that we run into in our life is that we allow our eyes to be taken off of what really matters. And we become absorbed by the things that are around us and say, man, I don't know if I can do this. Oh, yes, you can do this. You can if you keep your eyes fixed on the right thing. Amen. Remember what matters. What matters is not what the world says about me. What matters is what God says about me. Doesn't matter what the world calls me. What matters is what God calls me. And I want to hear him call me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen. The power of maintaining my identity. Remember what matters. Remember what matters. And I believe that it is important that we remember there, the, the power of that perspective will help keep us in balance in a culture that's so completely out of balance. Amen. I don't have to question every day that I live, is this okay or, or is this not okay? I'm not having to bring into question every day that I live all of these things that come up in the world in which I live. And is this, is this true or is this not true? I'm going to go back to the bedrock. I'm going to go back to what I started with. And I'm going to go back to what God gave me in the beginning. And, and that is what will keep me in the end. Amen. So what do you think it takes to thrive and to grow and prosper in a difficult environment. What have you learned in your experience in living for God that's helped you overcome things and rise above them? It'd be worth hearing. It'd be worth knowing. Well, this is what I faced, but this is how I overcame it. Because we're all needing some help along life's way, and we're all needing a little bit of encouragement. I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I need help all the time. I need to know that I'm going to make it. I'm going to, I'm going to hold, I'm going to be able to hold on to the end. I'm not going to crater. I'm not going to die in this situation. I'm going to live victoriously. I'm going to live happy. You know what I think? I think one of the things that they must have discerned and discovered about life is instead of trying to be happy, I think they just made happy. Because if you keep trying to be happy, you're going to be like that guy in the monastery. You're going to find something to gripe about that. But make happy. Paul said, I think myself happy. Now, you say, well, that's not what that means. Well, what does it mean? I think myself happy. I don't have to have everything around me exactly the way I want it to be to to still be happy and to be joyous and still have a praise in my heart and a song On my lips, I can live in Babylon and still 
Lift my hands and rejoice in the Lord because that's where my strength comes from and that's where my help comes from. And as long as I keep my eyes on that, this doesn't matter. Maybe you need to do that at your job. Maybe you need to get your eyes off your job and look to the God that gave you that job to start with. Amen. Instead of griping about the school you're in, thank God you have an opportunity in that environment to showcase Jesus. Amen. I, I, I don't... I don't have to be afraid of what I am living in. I need to recognize that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, whether it's Caesar's household or Babylon or Houston, Texas, or wherever you live, something that God put in you is much greater than what is against you. Amen. So how do you thrive? You... uh you get up every morning and you thank God that you have the opportunity to live another day. Amen. You'd be surprised at what a little spirit of thanksgiving could do to change your whole outlook on life. Amen. It'd be surprising to you if you would just take a piece of paper and, and start writing down on that thing, that paper, the things that you're thankful for. And then on another page... List the things that you're griping about and compare the two. I think you'll find out that you have a whole lot more to be thankful for than you had to complain about. Amen. And the truth is, if you lived in paradise, amen, if you lived in paradise, if I lived in paradise, There's, there's a way to mess even that up. Amen. Praise God. So, Babylon. Everybody say Babylon. What's that mean to you? It means everything that's antithesis to what you are. And yet in that culture and in that climate, I can be a light. I can give hope. Because you'd be surprised how many other people are trapped in Babylon that are just looking for a way out. And if they could find somebody like you with your light really shining, they might want to say, hey, what is it about you? How can you live in this culture and not be sucked into it? How can you live under these circumstances and not be overwhelmed by them? Well, let me tell you, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what he's done for me. Amen. Let's stand together. Faith that has been tried and tested and proven to be true. Always comes out in Babylon. Courage to live. Amen. I think maintaining the credibility of our testimony is so important. 
I read the story one time about a young soldier who was getting ready to be shipped over into the war zone. And uh, I believe he was going to Iraq. Right before he shipped out, he went to visit his grandfather who was in the hospital and not doing well. After they had visited for quite some time, the young man looked at his grandfather and tears swell up in his eyes and he said, Granddad, I need you to pray for me. What do you need me to pray for you about? I need you to pray for me that I'll have the courage to die. I'm going into a bad, bad place. Many, many casualties, a lot of death. And I have to admit that I'm a little fearful. I need you to pray for me that I will not be afraid to die. And the old man reached up and grabbed his young grandson's hand. He said, I'll make a deal with you. You, I will pray for you that you have the courage to die. You pray for me that I'll have the courage to live. Because at that moment, it was a whole lot easier just to give in to what was wrong and let it take him away. And you know, sometimes I think the truth of that story is it'd be a whole lot easier if I just could die and get it over with. But the greater testimony is not that I die, but that I live. Amen. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I don't want our church just to be some weak, anemic, wannabe, could have been, should have been, place of transformation for people. I want it to be a powerhouse. Amen. I want every service we come together to be infused with the power of the Holy Ghost. I want the light to burn so bright that when people pass by, they, they, they're almost blinded by how bright the light's shining. You know, years ago, I, I heard the old timers say that they prayed and the Holy Ghost moved in and it was like a cloud settled over the place, a visible cloud. The presence of God was so real. I wonder if that's possible to happen again. I wonder if our church could be so in unity and so in tune and walking with God and, and walking close to Him and in prayer and, and seeking God. I wonder if there could be that kind of atmosphere created here so that when somebody drives down 528, whoo, what, what was that? Or when they're driving down, going home, they drive by and something reaches out and arrests them and says, Whoa, what was that? What did I just pass? I want them to pass an elect church. Amen. I want them to pass a church that is full of the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost. And I need it in me if it's going to be in here. I've got to have it in my life. And I, 
I can't allow the culture that I live in to water down or to mute my testimony or intimidate me into silence. I need to pray, God, help me to know how to survive. No, help me to know how to thrive in Babylon. Help me to know how to be the kind of example in this culture and world that I need to be so that I can turn somebody your direction. Amen. You know what I believe? I have a feeling that when we get to heaven and we get to understand all there is to know about all of this that's gone on, the church in Jerusalem, it was large. Probably, other than Ephesus, the largest church in, in the known world at that time. But it had a lot of roots in, in, in religion. It was not foreign to God. Even though they didn't know who Jesus was, they knew who Jehovah was. But Babylon, They didn't even admit that Jehovah God was of any significance. If he was anything, he was just one among many others that were more important than he. And in that environment, there was a powerful church. Amen. I think God's going to give a greater crown to those that have to live through difficult things, but you overcome. You find a way to make it. You find a way to get back up. You find a way to hold on. You find a way to maintain your identity. You find a way to live godly in this present evil world. Amen. I think some of you need to understand that God knows exactly where you are and he knows what you're having to live through right now. Amen. And he's also equipped you with what it takes to live in that environment and be the light and the example that that world needs. Man. Some people wonder why we don't become more relevant to the times. Because I don't think that's what our mission is. I'm supposed to reach the people in my time, but I don't know how you make the cross relevant to anything. It's, it's all by itself. The crucified life is not a life that this culture wants to hear or embrace. They want to have a little Christianity and a whole lot of world and mix them together and call it whatever they call it. But that's not what Peter was talking about. He wasn't talking about A church that professed something, but a church that possessed something that identified them. That's what I want for greater life. I want that for my own life. Something that I possess that gives me the strength and the power to live in this ungodly world and yet live as an overcomer. Amen. Reach over and take somebody by the hand and let's pray together right now. Lord, we love you tonight. 
We're grateful for your mercies and your goodness. And thank you, Lord, for your help. We couldn't make it without you, Lord. And we need your strength tonight. We need you to put your hand on us. Keep your hand on us. Keep our minds clear on who we are and what we are. That we would be an an example and a light. That we would be a witness in a wicked culture. In an ungodly atmosphere. That we would live as shining lights. The glory of God revealed in our lives. The mercies of God. The peace of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Would you clap your hands to the Lord and give Him praise? Amen, 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 amen. Amen. What do you think it took to thrive in Babylon? Amen. What do you think it took? Hmm? Prayer and fasting. No doubt about it. Prayer was one of the hallmarks of Daniel's life. I don't know how anybody can make it without praying. Consistently praying. Amen. What else? What? Love for God. And not the culture that you live in. Or the things that it offers. But... Love for God. Amen. What else? Anybody else? Boldness. Yeah. I mean, there's just, you understand what I'm saying? I just want you to understand that we're in a culture that hates everything we represent. I'm not intimidated by that. I'm not overwhelmed by that. You know what the New Testament church, what made them so powerful? They didn't go out into the world saying, look what the world has come to. They said, look what has come to the world. (laughs) The gospel of Jesus Christ. I think that's the way we have to live. Not looking around saying, man, how bad can it get? I just got news for you. It can get worse. But think about what's in you. It's greater than what's against you. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your people. Thank you for your word. Help us to be that kind of church that was in Babylon. Elect, chosen, called out identified, clearly identified as yours. Help us, God. I pray to to strengthen ourselves with all might in the inner man. Lord, help us to understand what matters. It doesn't matter what the world calls me or says about me. What matters is what you have called me and what you have said I can be, and I want to be that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.